Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Just to kind of give you, uh, before I get into the message, just uh, uh, what I am going to preach. As an itinerant minister, I travel full-time. This coming February, I'll be stepping into the 12th year of my ministry, which is uh, being an itinerant which is just amazing. I did about seven and a half years on staff at churches, being a student pastor, doing college ministry. And then in 2012, God launched us out to do what we're doing right now. And uh, God gave me the word out of Isaiah chapter 50, verses four and five. He said that that he would give me the tongue of the learned or the instructed, that I would have a word in season to them that are weary. Morning by morning, he would awaken me to hear or be instructed, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Obviously, that was Isaiah prophesying about Jesus, but the Lord gave that to me, and I believe it's because of this. Um, The Lord also said to me, he said, Dustin, your ministry is not topical. He said, I have not called you to perfect the program but to awaken the body of Christ to the reality of who they are and what God's given to them. And so a lot of my messages, a lot of the things that I preach is to call us back to a place, a position of understanding of our possession, of what it is that we actually obtain, what we have been given in Christ. Because like I I, I say often is that God is not looking for a group of people um, that are hiding out in a hole somewhere uh, with refried beans and dehydrated food waiting for him to come back. Come on. Uh, we're like the Marines. We're here to occupy till he comes. Come on, somebody. And so he's looking for a group of people that are not intimidated by the lies and the poise of the enemy, but rather because of their knowledge of Jesus are pushing back the forces of darkness. Amen. And so our, my job tonight is to encourage you. I'll probably preach a little bit, maybe teach a little bit, but uh, I'm an exhorter. It's what I do. You know what I mean? Dogs bark. Fish swim, birds chirp, preachers preach. Come on, somebody. Amen. All right, here we go. If you have your Bibles, if you will, I'm going to be talking about uh, tonight the anointing. And I'll give you uh, some context about that, but the anointing. And as you turn to Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, I'm going to read this this opening text to kind of give us a context to where we're going. But as we are, I will tell you a couple jokes. There was a... a, uh, a man that uh, had got, he was in court, and he got arrested for uh, shoplifting. He had stolen a can of peaches. And so the, the judge was standing there, and he, he asked the man, he said, uh, you, you stole a can of peaches? He said, yes, sir, I did. He said, how many peaches were in that can? He said, sir, there was five peaches. He said, well, I'm going to give you a week of jail time for every peach in that can. You're going to spend five weeks in prison. And right behind him was his wife. She stood up and raised her hand. The judge said, yes, ma'am. She said, your honor, he also stole a can of peas. (laughs) There was uh, these three 
three boys, and they, they had, a, 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 you know, had grown up in a great home, and their mom had become elderly, and they had gone off and become great success and, you know, and, and made wealth for themselves. And so the oldest son, uh, he, he wanted to bless his mom, and so he built her a nice home, built her a beautiful home. And the second son wanted to also honor his mom, so he bought her a really nice Cadillac, a really nice car. And the, the, the third son, he knew his mom loved the Word of God, and, but because she had gotten older, her eyesight was failing a little bit. He bought her a really nice, exotic parrot that could recite the whole Word of God. And so she received these gifts, and so she wrote the letters. She showed her first son. She said, Timothy, I just got to tell you, the house is beautiful. I'm so thankful. It's a little bit big, but I love it. The second son, John, she said, John, thank you for the Cadillac. I've never ridden in such a beautiful car before. It's so quiet, so smooth. And she said, and to my, my youngest son, Philip, I want to tell you how much I enjoyed your gift, the simplicity of your gift. The chicken was delicious. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, thank you, amen. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. Don't forget to tip your waitress. All right, let's get in the flow of the Spirit tonight, amen. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word tonight. I thank you that you watch over your word to perform it in our lives. Father God, I thank you it is the entrance of your word that gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. So Lord, I thank you that we have ears to hear, eyes that see, and hearts to understand, that we leave here changed for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to give this idea here. This word destroy doesn't mean to break, but it means to be absolutely crushed crushed into absolute powder. In other words, obliterated to where it can never be reassembled or put back together. His yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. God said to me, he said, Dustin, I'm going to use you to break the mindset of religion in the hearts of men by revealing my glory and my anointing. I don't say this to bring recognition to me, but to bring an awareness to what it is that God is opening our eyes to. The anointing produces fullness. It's the ability, listen to this, to give out without running out. You have been anointed by God. The yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God is upon you. What for? What is the reason? The reason of the anointing is so that you can give out without running out. It's an abundant supply. It's fullness. It is bringing us to the awareness of what we have in him, that there is never a mentality of lack or shortage, but because of the anointing that rests upon us, there is a full supply. Always a full supply. A religious mindset is convincing someone, listen to this, is convincing someone to deny one's rights and privileges and live below and without given inheritance. It is to convince somebody. 
It is to get them to believe the lie or the deception rather than the truth. Everything about the devil, everything that the devil is trying to do is trying to come into your life and convince you that what Christ has given to you, that which he has purchased through his shed blood upon the cross, is not actually something that is attainable, but is always elusively out in the future. And yet when we understand that the anointing, the reason for the anointing, I'm going to show you some things here tonight, that the anointing is to come, uh, is to bring a fullness in every area of your life. You need healing, supplied. You need provision, supplied. You need peace, provided, supplied. Nothing is missing. Nothing is missing. Nothing is excluded in the anointing. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Look at this, Colossians chapter 2. I want to read this to you out of the, the Passions translations. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says this, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. The anointing in your life, the anointing that God places upon you to accomplish his will in the natural does not make sense. Because in the human logic or human reasoning, everything is produced about, about your effort, about your ability, about what you can do. And so when you begin to talk about this thing that God places upon you, that empowers you, that strengthens you, that brings you into a place of fullness, the natural mind resists The Bible says, uh, is it 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14, the natural man receives not the things of God, neither can he understand them. Why? They're spiritually discerned. So when you begin to talk about the anointing, what you're talking about is a spiritual endowment, a spiritual empowerment that comes upon you to do what God's called you to do. And so what, what, what Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth, uh, 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 the Corinthian church, the Colossian church, whatever church it was, somebody, come on. He was trying to, <laughs> there was a lot of them there. You know where we're, what I'm talking about. But he was encouraging them that, that they would not be distracted or intimidated to be pulled away from Christ's fullness. The fullness of him that fills all, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, the Ephesian prayer there, it talks about that you would be filled with the wisdom of God. The fullness of him that fills all in all. That there is a full supply in him. And I love this because every time you look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at how Jesus operated, every time that there was a situation, every time there was a need for something, whether it was financial, physical, uh, it, there, was a, uh, there was direction that was needed, Jesus was never intimidated by that situation. When the leper came to Jesus in Luke chapter 5, and he said, I know that you can, but are you willing? Back then, the leper was not allowed into public. You were not allowed in a proximity to the people. Why? Because of the disease that was eating your flesh. 
And yet this man approached Jesus and noticed this, that when there is an understanding of the fullness of the Christ, the anointing that is on you and in you, that fullness is not afraid of the opposition that stands, but rather knows that when I lay my hands on it, it doesn't get on me. The anointing expels or it removes that sickness. It says, I know that you can, that the leper said, I know that you can, but, all, but will you? And Jesus, reaching out his hand, said, I am willing, be made cleansed or clean. What is that mentality? That is the mentality of the anointing. That there's a full supply, there's a full awareness that God is residing on the inside of me. Let me continue reading. To attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom. Jumping down, it says, For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgment based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. You and I are to renew our mind to the word of God and begin to operate on the anointed truths of the anointed one. That's how we live our lives. Verse 9 goes on to say, For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. That is the anointing. That is the full supply that rests upon us. It, it deals with authority. It deals with healing. It deals with everything that would try to bring opposition or hindrance to the plan and the will of God for your life. I'm going to read this real quick. I, I want to, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says this, uh, that at that time you were without Christ. You were without, I'll say this real quick, uh, digress just for a moment. Christ, you know, is not Jesus' last name. I love that. You're not looking through the phone book, Jesus, there's a Christ, Christ, Christ. There he is right there. No, Christ was not his last name, but more of, his, of, of who he was. It was Jesus the Anointed. When it says Christ Jesus, the anointing of the anointed one, it was to, we didn't translate it, so we kind of just, when we read the word Christ, we just kind of kind of jump right over it, but you've got to renew your mind, translate and meditate. What is he saying when he says the Christ? It says, at that time you were without the anointing. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Watch this. Having no hope and without God in this world. When you're dealing, when you're looking at the world, you have to remember that the world speaks and acts and conducts themselves without having any hope and not having a God. They're completely trying to bring it all together in their own humanistic mentality and ideals. 
There is no God in their minds. And when you become to the place where you humble yourself and you bring yourself under the submission of who God is, there's something that happens where now there's hope that has been rejuvenated to your heart and you're not without God, but you're with God in the world. It goes on to verse 13, but now in the anointing of the anointed one, you were once far off, but have been brought near by the blood of the anointed. Woo, come on, somebody. Full supply. Somebody say full supply. When we factor in the anointing by renewing our minds to God's word, we don't start with looking at the problem. The lack when you, when you factor in the anointing, because see, here's the thing about the anointing. The anointing is the equalizer, the great equalizer. It brings everybody up to the same playing field. It doesn't matter your education, your pedigree, your family status, who you are, because I am anointed. Everything comes up to this equal playing field. And when there comes this time, you can say, well, I don't have the money they have. I don't have the, the parent, you know, the backing of this like they do. And I don't have this and I don't have that. These are all excuses of trying to, uh, sets you back from what God's called you to do. But when you factor in the anointing, when you factor in the, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God that has been placed upon you, it brings you to the forefront where there is no limitations or boundaries in your life. Nothing sets, holds you back. Nothing can stop you from doing what God, God calls you to do. Why? Because I'm anointed. Well, what makes you think they're going to promote you at work? What makes you think that that can happen for you? Because it's not about me. It's about the anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God that is present upon me that places me in position to prosper, to succeed. There's favor upon my life. Why? Because I'm anointed. Look at Matthew chapter 11, I believe it is. I feel led to read this to you real quick. Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus' response to this mentality. Uh, Matthew chapter 11. In verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. I love this in the message Translation. You ought to write that down and look it up. It's so poetic. It's beautiful. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everything about the anointing. How do you know when you're operating in the anointing? How do you know when you begin to allow that limit, limitless, burden-free life is, 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 in, is operating in you? You're aware of it. There will be a peace and there will be a rest. There will be this, this easiness in your mind and in your life. Why? Because I know that because of the anointing, everything's going to work out. I keep thinking of that story where they, that, that Peter uh, and Jesus were together and they owed taxes. Jesus didn't panic. Oh, man, taxes. All right, let's take up an offering. I don't know what I'm... What he, he tells me, go fishing. 
Come on, somebody. That's the kind of guy I want to work for right there, you know. He doesn't go say, hey, let's go make some bread and have a bake sale. We can raise some funds. What is that? He said, go fishing. And the first fish that you find, there'll be a coin in his mouth. Pull it out. It'll pay our taxes. Take care of it. And like it wasn't just a little dabble, do you? It was more than enough for past, present, and future. Why? That's the anointing. It changes your mindset to what is capable and possible with God. All things are possible to them that believe. Amen. When we factor in the anointing by renewing our minds to God's word, we don't start with looking at the lack, the sickness, or the problem. Watch this. We start with the fullness in Christ ready to change the situation. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that the opposition that you're coming up against that's resisting the will of God in your life, God has never asked you to do anything in and of yourself. He's never asked you to try, okay, Dustin, try to figure this out. Dustin, I need you to come up with something real slick and awesome and try to maneuver around this. He never positions you in something without anointing you or giving you the ability and the power to overcome it. I like to say it this way. The Bible talks about that, uh, in other words, God will never, if you're in the ring with something in the, in the sense of you're fighting something, God never will put you in the ring without knowing that you can defeat it. This isn't in there to see, well, I hope we win. I said it this morning. We win. If I'm in the ring, it's because I'm the victor. I just got to show up. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I'm anointed. It is the equalizer. It makes all things possible. It fills in the inadequacies, the failures, and it puts you in a position to constantly be on top. Second Corinthians chapter 1, 21 says, now he who establishes us with you in the anointing or in the anointed has anointed us is God. God has anointed you in Christ Jesus. How does this apply? I'm I'm thinking of this. How does this apply to my everyday life? You wake up in the morning. You got to get up. You got to go to work. You got to go do life. Come on, somebody. You got to get up there and get, you know, make your coffee, get the chicken kicking, get awake. Come on, man. Then you got to drag. Here we go. We got to go to the job site and we got to do life. We got to do what we're, we're supposed to do. Come on. But What changes all that mundane mentality is that now no longer am I just existing, but now I'm on mission because God's anointed me with resurrection, life, and power. Uh, Romans 8 says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He lives on the inside of you, quickening, strengthening your mortal bodies. What is that? That is the anointing. That is the ability of God coming on. The anointing is God coming on flesh to do what only God can do. God coming on you and and, uh, strengthening you, powering you to fulfill the call and the will that he has for your life. Whether it's something as simple as working down at the mill or if it's building something, whether it's cleaning something, whatever it is, I'm not doing it in and of myself. I'm tapping into that resurrection life, that power, that anointing, that, that power of the Holy Spirit upon me to do his will. If you'll renew your mind to this and get into that, no matter what you're, well, I don't need to be anointed to clean the house. Let me tell you something. If you do, if you tap into it, it'll go a lot smoother and a lot better. 
It makes life fun. It makes life easy. Why? Because his yoke is easy and his burdens light. It'll produce peace and it'll produce rest on the inside of you. That everything that you do, everything you set out to do is anointed. I'll be honest with you. I mean, obviously, some would say, well, of course, you're a preacher. But I couldn't do this without the anointing. I mean, I'd like to think that I'm that cool and that awesome and that, you know, just a miracle-working, you know, word distributor. And everybody's just like, oh, my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. But I'll just be honest with you. If it wasn't for the anointing, the only thing that makes what I heard this one guy, he, he was a musician. And he told this musician, he said, you know, musicians are a dime a dozen. And at first they're like, man, praise God, thanks for the pep talk. You know, it's like, geez, boy, I feel great. But he said, the thing that's different about you than everybody else, he said, you're anointed. There's something about the anointing. It's God coming on you. God empowering you. What makes you different on the job site? You're anointed. And when you renew your mind to that, it's not that you become haughty or proud or like, you know, watch out, everybody, Dustin's here. I'm going to know. But there's an assurance on the inside of you that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I, I'm go, I mean, there's just this, this abundant favor that positions me, and I'm going to show you this, and gets me to where God wants me to be. Natural limitations do not apply to one who is aware that they are anointed by God. Natural limitations do not apply to someone who is aware that they are anointed by God. You can't do that. You can't go there. You, you'll never possess that. Those are people who are unaware of the anointing of God upon your life. Everything that, uh, that I've accomplished in my life, I have to stop and I, I, I stand in awe because it's not that miraculous, but man, I can, how many of y'all have big dreams and visions? Come on. If you don't, you need to, you need to get some. Man, I got things on the radar in my heart where it's just like, really, God? And man, I'm seeing things I'm supposed to be doing, things that we're supposed to be accomplishing for the kingdom of God. And in and of myself, it is impossible. But when you know that there is an anointing, come on, somebody, a yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God upon your life, it breaks down the limitations, the barriers that try to hold you back from walking in the fullness of Christ. Luke chapter 4, let me give you this real quick. Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes out of, the, uh, out of the wilderness being tempted by the devil for, for 40 days. Y'all know this. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 18 and 19, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me, because he has anointed me. Now, real quick, I want you to see this, is that when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, there is an anointing, there is a quickening, there is a spirit that comes on the inside that is what uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 talks about. If any man be in the anointed, the anointing, the anointed, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. What? All things have become brand new. The anointing creates newness. It brings rest, it brings peace, it brings newness. You begin to operate out of that anointing, that recreated being of God living on the inside of you. 
part of that inward anointing that resurrects your dead spirit and brings you back to life, back into union with God, is counsel and direction. It's the spirit of God in you, for you. It's what Jeremiah 33.3 talks about. If you'll call out to me, I'll show you great and mighty things you do not know. It's an inward witness of the leading of the Spirit of God. Because I'm anointed, because of who lives in me, I'm at the right place at the right time doing the right things with the right people. Why? Because I'm led by the Spirit of God. John chapter 16 talks about when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will not speak on his own authority, but what he hears he'll speak, and he'll show you things to come. Or at the beginning part of that verse, it says he'll lead you into all truth. The Spirit of God, the anointing of God that is in you is to lead you and to guide you. That's why Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 says, in all, Trust in the Lord in all, uh, with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways. Do what? Acknowledge him. What they taught us in Bible school, what's he talking about? It's talking about the inward witness. Uh, listen to the guide inside. What is that? That's the anointing. That's the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, leading and guiding you into all truth. Now, I preach it this way sometimes because it's simple, and some people say, well, God gave me a brain. I don't need to ask him what to wear in the morning. You're right. He did give you a brain. Pick out your outfit, and some of us can, you know, did you get dressed in the dark there, champ? What happened? You know, it's like, it don't match. But what I like is to say this, is that if you'll allow that anointing on the inside to begin to practice that inward witness, and just begin the conversation with God. God, what is it that you want me to wear this morning? You like the dark colored jeans or are we going with the stone wash? Am I wearing the flannel or wearing the stripes? What are you doing? Does God really care what you want? What? Probably not. I don't. It's just a t-shirt. Wear whatever you want, champ. It's not a big deal, right? But what it is is tuning your ear to the words of Christ, the words of the anointed. That when in the moment where it is important, where there's a major direction, there's a major step that you're supposed to be taking, I'm not trying to practice in that moment of, God, I need to know if I'm supposed to buy this house or buy that house. God, if I'm supposed to move or if I'm supposed to stay, I'm not practicing in that moment. I've already learned to have a conversation with God on the simple things, whether I'm supposed to wear these shoes or those shoes. And it becomes very clear to me of who uh, the, the simplicity and the clarity of God's voice in my life. But all of a sudden now, there's a big decision. It's like when I, uh, I was a student pastor before I started this ministry. And every Tuesday, we would go out and we would, uh, uh, after staff meeting on Tuesdays, we'd go out and have lunch with all the pastors on staff. And I knew that Tuesday, I was not supposed to go out to lunch. I was supposed to go home. I just knew it in my heart. And I went home that day, and man, I began to pray. I said, I just knew. I said, Lord, I mean, I had an appointment. He, God hadn't told me that morning or anything, but it was clear, you're going home and we're going to talk. Man, I got in there and I began to pray. I began to weep. I began to laugh. I began to just have this encounter with God. And I really believe it was the moment that God began to drop the seed, the vision of what I'm doing today. 
And God began to speak to me. He said, Dustin, one more step, and I will launch you with grace and provision that no man will be able to explain. He began to solidify the vision on the inside of me of what I was supposed to be doing and what my next step was. Well, I remember when I went in to talk with my pastor because they loved me. Nobody wants to see you fail. Nobody wants to see you come up short. And I come walking in there, and they're looking at this young buck, and I'm like, tell you what, God told me I'm supposed to step out by faith and start a ministry. They're like, oh, good for you, champ. How about we do this? How about you just stay tight? And uh, when your schedule gets so full, excuse me, say it, don't spray it, right? Ask for the news, not the weather. (laughs) Dustin leaves, we're going to need to shampoo the carpets. (laughs) But he was like, how about you just stay here on staff, do your job, and when you get so busy that you're gone every Sunday preaching, then we'll have you step down. Now, logically, that makes sense. But see, this was not the first time that I had learned to listen to the direction and the counsel of God to make a decision in my life. Because, see, when I was younger, my dad, because he was a good dad, and he took raising my brother and I up in the things of God, he taught us. He would say to me and my brother Dylan, Dustin and Dylan, I'm going to teach you how to listen on the first and normal tone of voice. Because one day you're going to move out of my house, and you're going to go begin to live on your own, and God will speak the same way. He'll speak in a still, small voice, and he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. So I remember this one time that uh, I had an opportunity. We were leaving private school out of sixth grade, and I was going into seventh grade. And, and uh, we were going to public school. And there was two schools that I could go to because of where we lived, Richard Junior High or Daniel Middle School. Well, Richard Junior High is where one of my good buddies went to school, so I was excited. I'm like, man, we're going to Richard. He said, man, I've already been telling everybody that you're coming. They're excited. So I was like, popularity. I'm going to be famous. We're going to have a, and Jonathan, my buddy, he was awesome. So everybody loved him. I'm like, dude, we're going to be the, we'll be the, you know, the duo. We're coming in to take over. Get ready. I'm going to Richard Junior High. Well, of course, my dad being a good dad, he said, Dustin, let's pray about this. So we sat down, and one day we read, and we said, Father God, we, we're going to acknowledge you, lead us. God, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? So we prayed. And, of course, after we got done praying, guess where I felt like I was supposed to go? Richard Jr. High. And my dad said, Dustin, I feel like God told me that you're supposed to go, supposed to, go to Daniel Middle School. I said, it's okay, Dad. We all miss it. <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> so guess what? I went to Daniel Middle School. Well, when I was in first grade, and they put me into second grade, I was so smart, they put me back in first grade to help everybody else out. You know what I'm saying? I got put back. So I wasn't in the right grade. So I'm at, I'm at Daniel Junior High, and I'm at a pep rally or this meet, the, uh, an assembly one day for the school, and the principal says this. He says, some of you are, are getting involved in our getting the, I don't know what it was called, getting the right class or, or grade program and you're messing around and we gotta we take you out of seventh grade put you in the eighth grade you start making bad grades and we got to put you back in seventh grade I didn't hear all that I was just like wait a second there's a program to get in the right grade I didn't know this like I missed the memo where was the email so I go home and I tell my mom I said they got a program so she goes up to the school and they said sure enough we got a program if Dustin can continue to make good grades up to the middle of the year we'll put him into eighth grade 
and he can begin uh, eighth grade. So that's exactly what I did. So I did seventh and eighth grade in one year. And God put me back into the right grade. He caught me up, which is amazing because I graduated high school. I went to Bible school, and all of the relationships that I have today are from that time period that I was at Bible school. Why is that? Because I had a understanding. I had an ear. I was trained to hear the anointing, the one on the inside, leading and guiding and directing. One of the biggest lies the enemy will tell you is that you can't hear the voice of God. That you can't hear him. But here's the thing. God speaks the same way he writes. If you can read the word of God, then you can hear the voice of God. And here's the thing I know about God. He's always speaking. Whether by his word or by his spirit, he is speaking to you. Why? Because man does not live by bread alone. Man does not exist or succeed in life by natural resource, but man lives by the word of God, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God has to speak to you because it is what sustains you and keeps you alive. That's why the devil said, you can't hear the voice of God. You want to bet? So the inward, <clears throat> the inward anointing is to lead you and guide you, to put you in position to succeed. It's to help you. But when the Bible talks about, like in Luke chapter 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, now we're talking about an empowerment that is to help others. And this is huge for me. Because the, what the devil wants to do is get you so consumed with your issue that you don't have time to look at anybody else. You ask about somebody, how you doing? Oh, God, take a seat. I got, I got, how long, how much time you got? Why? Because we're consumed with our issue. And here's what I want you to see. If you allow your issue to consume you, you'll be held in captivity. It'll keep you bound in that situation. But what happens is when you understand that there is anointing that is upon me, a yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God that is on me, and it takes care of my situation, now all of a sudden I am, uh, I am empowered. I am sent out. I am commissioned by God to have eyes to see how can I help you. The number one indication of the anointing on somebody's life is not whether they have a title or not, but whether they carry a towel. Jesus said, I did not come to, to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. How do you know if somebody's anointed? It's not if they glow in the dark and float. Come on, somebody. We have a lot of good preachers that are good showmen, and I don't say that to be downgrading. I, I, I like a good, come on, I like a good service. But that is not an indication of anointing. An indication of anointing is thoughtfulness. What can I do for you? Y'all remember when, was it Peter and John that were sitting there with Jesus? They pulled him aside and they said, we want to ask you something when we get to your kingdom. We want you to have us sit on the right and the left of you. Y'all remember that? They, they had a prideful request, and yet when they said, Jesus, we want something, we want to ask something of you, his response to them is, what can I do for you? What is it that you want? Y'all remember blind Bartimaeus? 
He was crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He kept crying it out. And the people were annoyed and frustrated. They're like, man, would you just be quiet? Shut your mouth. What did it do? It brought Jesus to a standstill. The Bible says that Jesus stood still. He turned and he said to blind Bartimaeus, what is it that you would have me to do for you? When you have a revelation that there's not just an anointing on the inside leading and guiding you, but there's an anointing on you that all of a sudden you become aware of the condition of the people that says not because of who I am, but the yoke destroying, burden removing, power of God that is resting upon me. I have the ability. I have the authority. I have the power of God to lift you up and get you out of that situation. Listen to this. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I am anointed to do what? I was just checking my notes here. But the Spirit is upon me. Watch out. Watch out. It's for others. It's to prosper others. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel or to prosper others, to heal others, to liberate others, to give sight both physically and spiritually to others, to remove burdens and restore fully others. I said it this morning, I'll say it again. Our job is to take up the mission of Jesus, which is to to undo and destroy the works of the enemy. My job, your job, you don't have to be a five-fold minister. That's your job. That's it. You go out. You do that. No, you're you're at the plant. You're cutting logs. You're doing whatever you're doing. And there is an awareness on you, I'm anointed. One of your co-workers walks up and they begin to tell you a situation or they tell you a diagnosis that they got. There should be something that rises up on you that says, I am anointed by God. That's why God said in Mark 16, he said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not because there's anything special about us, but we become the conduit. We become the, the, the wire, if you will, that releases that power of God into the life of another individual. It's you coming in agreement with who he is. Listen, the one thing about God is it was his decision to partner with man. God does nothing apart from us. He is sovereign. We can preach all that. But listen, it was his decision that says, I want to operate and function with man. And when Adam committed high treason and separated himself from God, he instantly went back into to motion to send his son Jesus. Why? To bring us back into fellowship, bring us back into partnership where the residence of the Spirit of God was no longer behind a veil, but was resting on the inside of us. You become the temple of the living God. Woo, glory to God. So look at this. I want to give you some indications of the anointing real quick. I've already preached too long. Isaiah chapter 45. Look at this. I love these verses, man. Isaiah chapter 45. says, thus says the Lord, verse 1, thus says the Lord to his anointed. Somebody say, he's talking about me. I'm anointed. Every time you... 
you read something in the Word of God, the Ephesians prayers, Ephesians chapter 1, 16 through the end of that chapter, was it 23? Ephesians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9. Those prayers, you need to confess them, not as a request, but Father, I thank you that you have opened the eyes of my understanding, that I have the knowledge and the wisdom of God and all spiritual understanding. This is what I possess. Amen? It says, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held. The margin of my Bible says that, that, that God's right hand has held his and strengthened and sustained him. Whose right hand I have held, I have strengthened and I've sustained him. There's something about when somebody holds your hand, it brings comfort, it brings peace. I want you to know tonight, you're not alone. God's got you by the hand. He says, I got you. I'm walking hand in hand with you. Look at Isaiah real quick. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41, look at verse 10. I love this verse. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Watch this. I will strengthen you. See, everything about the anointing brings you to a place of peace, brings you to a place of comfort, brings you to a place of strength. It is the mentality of not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It is the strengthening of God's spirit in your spirit that awakens you and enables you to do life. I don't know about you, but I know God did not put me on this planet to crawl on my hands and knees and be like Oliver Twist. Please, sir, can I have some more? It's not what it's all about. It's about reigning in life. It's about being anointed by the Holy One, God coming on me, living in me to do what only God can do. God says, fear not, I'll be with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 13 says, for I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Let me, let me give you this illustration real quick. Stand up, brother. Let me show you this. God's saying to you, I'm going to hold you with my righteous right hand. I'm holding your right hand. Stand right here for me so they can see this. Stand sideways. Look at this. When God's talking to you, He's saying to you, I'm going to hold you by your righteous right hand. Now, I love this idea. There's still some comfort in that. But when God's talking to you, he's saying this, I'm looking in your eyes. You're looking in my eyes. I'm holding your righteous right hand, constantly reaffirming. Thank you. Give my hand, everybody. Come on. I'm constantly looking at you, strengthening you, looking in your eye, telling you, I got you. You ever told your kids before, listen with your eyes? Or even your spouse. I don't know about you, but I'm an eye-to-eye contact kind of guy. I just like community. We're going to talk. I want you looking at me. If we're really discussing something, not just frivolous things. Why? Because I'm listening. No, you're not. You're doing dishes. Come on, somebody. No, no, keep talking. I got you. You're watching TV. 
What am I saying? I want eye-to-eye contact. Why? Because there's something that is distributed when you're looking at somebody in their eyes. Did you guys know that in the Hebrew language, there is no word for, for, uh, for presence? When the Bible says when, when in uh, Psalm 16, 11, it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. That word presence is the Hebrew word panim. It means face, countenance, the front side. There's something about in his presence or in his face, in that hand-to-hand grabbing, looking you in your face that is released the fullness of all that God is into who you are that strengthens you and empowers you to succeed. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, it's in verse 6 says that, I believe it is, that says, the knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus. What is the glory of God? It's God's ideal condition and position for man. It's his favorable opinion towards you. When you're looking at his face, when God says, I got you. I know I've told you to do some crazy things. I know I've told you to step out and do something rowdy that no man would ever advise you to do. He's holding you in your hands. And the glory of God, the favor of God, his opinion towards you that says you can make it is beaming into your spirit, man, and strengthening you to accomplish his will. God says to you, I got you. I'm anointed. So let me give this to you real quick, and I'll shut this down. Isaiah chapter 45, it goes on to say there in verse, it says uh, just, uh, that I'm holding your right hand to subdue nations before him, to loose the armors of kings, to open before him the double door so that the gates will not be shut. Verse two, I will go before you and I will make the crooked pl- uh, places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name and the God of Israel. God says to you, I will go before you. I will, Revelations 3, 8 says that he'll open before you a door that no man can shut. When God says, I'll go before you, it's favor, it's preparation. It's Psalms 23, 5 that says, the Lord prepares a table before me. Whatever God's calling you to do, there's an anointing. And he's saying it from as an invitation, calling you into a place of favor and abundance. I'll go before you. Esther chapter 6 and verse 9. I've got to read this to you. I don't want to rush. I'm almost done, I promise. As I was praying this evening, just before church, I got this. I was like, oh, I got I'm gonna, I believe this is this is for us. Um, I got these little black tabs. Come on, somebody, help me out here. Let's see. There it is, Esther. <clears throat> Nehemiah, take a right. Hallelujah. Look at this, Esther chapter six, real quick. Y'all know the story. This is this is Mordecai. He's Esther's uncle, right? Esther's been made queen. She's in there because such a time God has brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. And the king, Mordecai is, is the uncle, and, but he's got an enemy, Haman. Y'all know the story. And so, so Haman there in Esther chapter 6, a verse says, so Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? 
He was, he was setting them up right here. He says, now when Haman uh, thought in his heart, whom would be the king delight to honor more than me? And that's something that's his pride. And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought, which the king was, has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed upon its head. Then let his robe and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square. Watch this. And proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Can I say it this way? The Lord said, Dustin, righteousness goes before you and declares before your every move. This is what God does to them that he delights to honor. Every time you walk up, God's already been there. God's already made provision. God's already made a way. He's already ahead of you, inviting you into his perfect will. Amen. Number two, he says, I will break in pieces the gates. Matthew chapter 16, 15, and 16, or through 19, y'all know the scriptures. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that you are? Peter gets all bold, jumps up, says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah, you're the anointed one. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. I want to read this to you real quick of what Jesus continues to say after he allows Peter to realize what you just said was by revelation. It wasn't by natural means. You are the Christ. Verse 18, it says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock. On what rock? The revelation that Jesus is the Christ I will build my church. Jesus said, on the foundation of the anointing of who he is and what he's placed upon you, God says, I will build my church. This is why the devil fights so much against the anointing, about, against the Christ. Why? Because it strips you and completely weakens you where all you're doing is going through the cycle of repetitive motion. I go to church. I do religious activities, and therefore, I'm a good person. And listen, there is merit to that, but there has to come a place where something on the inside of you goes from just going through motions and begins to function and operate in the fullness of who you are in Christ. He said, upon this rock, this revelation, I'll build my church. And watch this. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, I'll break in pieces the gates. Gates are not weapons. But barriers and limitation the devil uses to stop you from filling God's will and plan. The devil's always going to try to bring a barrier, a limit, something that holds you out. But I'm here today to tell you that you're anointed, that there is a yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God that's on you that breaks open the gates. God opens the door. There's always more for you. There's something that God is working you into that brings him honor and glory. Last but not least, number three, it says, I will give you treasures resources, riches. Philippians chapter four, verse 19. Y'all know the scripture. In the New Living Translation, it says, and the same God 
who takes care of me will supply all your needs. From his glorious riches, which have been given to us, where? In the anointing of the anointed one. My needs are taken care of. The whole mentality of this, and what's so amazing about the anointing, is it liberates you and frees up space in your mind not to be concerned about anything. Because everything, that's why the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because I'm anointed. The anointing's working for me. The anointing's providing. The anointing, it's, it's removing the limitations and the boundaries that hold everybody else captive. They don't apply to me. I'm not subject to them. I'm anointed. And it gives me liberty not to think about the, my situation. Now I can be aware of what can I do for somebody else. Acts 10, chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about what? Doing good, healing all the, that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. God was holding his hand. God is with you. You ought to be about the Father's business. You ought to be out doing good or enforcing righteousness everywhere you go. Why? Because right here before Jesus comes back, God, the Bible says, will I find faith on the earth? Will man be proactive with the tools that I've given them in Christ Jesus? What are you doing with the anointing. It's such a powerful tool. It's such a, 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 an increase to do what God's called you to do. You're anointed. Everybody say, I am anointed. God has anointed me to do his will and to finish the assignment. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.